Good day, fellow investors. Welcome to the Modern Value Investing Podcast with Sven Karlin, where we compound investment returns as well as investment knowledge in order to help you achieve your financial goals. Good day, fellow investors. Buybacks are a key component of investing these days. It's actually very simple. When a company does buybacks, it pushes the stock over time up, up and up, which is, of course what most stock investors want. This is also perfectly explained by professors Gabaix and Cohen from Hardward with their inelastic market hypothesis that we discussed in this video, link in the description below, where $1 added to the stock market buying a stock increases the market capitalization by $5. So yes, buybacks inevitably push stocks higher. And in this video, I really want to dig into buybacks, make a deep dive and explain most of the things you need to know when it comes to your investing and the current environment for buybacks. When a company makes profits, it can either reinvest those profits, pay out dividends, or do buybacks, which is now the predominant spending or redistribution way for profits. By explaining buybacks, the statistics, how they work, how they affect book value and everything, I'm going to go through 10 pros and cons of buybacks to give you a clear indication of how you can behave when it comes to buybacks and how can those impact your investing and your long-term financial well-being. Buybacks can be good and bad. And as Buffett says, I find it almost impossible to believe that it's terrible to repurchase share. So it is a mixed bag. Therefore, we need to know the pros and cons and then make smart investment decisions related to buybacks. So if you enjoy this content, please buy back, obliterate that like button, and let's start discussing the material. What are buybacks or share repurchases? Very simple. A company takes the money it's made and then repurchases its own shares in order to cancel them. The aim is to lower the numbers of shares outstanding so that the remaining shareholders own a larger chunk of the company. So we have seen how Apple stock went up, not just because of buybacks, but buybacks did impact that. Apple started doing buybacks in 2013, and you can see how the number of shares outstanding went from 26 and a half billion, already adjusted for splits over the years, and now it is 16.5 billion. So Apple bought back 10 billion shares over the last 10 years. Why do companies do buybacks or share repurchases? Well, to push the stock price higher, but how does that work? By decreasing the number of shares outstanding, earnings per share and all the metrics per share go up and that consequently should push the stock price higher. For example, Apple's net income over the last 12 months was 100 billion. And then it's a big difference per share if you divide 100 billion by 26.5 billion shares or 16.5 billion shares. The difference for Apple is that earnings per share would have been 3.79 without buybacks, but thanks to the buybacks Apple made, 
We are now at 6.09 earnings per share. Therefore, EPS higher, that should push the share price higher, all else equal. The current price earnings ratio of Apple is 27. And if we apply the same price earnings ratio to the earnings, you see that without buybacks and the price earnings ratio of 27, Apple share would be $102, but with higher earnings with the same price earnings ratio, we are now at $164. So the first pro is that a company does buybacks to increase metrics per share and consequently increase the share price as an owner of one stock owns more of the same company. However, there is also the first con to that, because then the company is focused only on share repurchases and it does not invest anymore into things that over the long term might be much better. Over the last years, Apple really splashed a lot of billions on buybacks. Just in 2021, the fiscal 2021 for Apple, 92 billion. Total, since they started doing buybacks, is 478 billion. Now, 478 billion invested with a 10% return. That is 47 billion in profits for Apple. 47 billion added to the current 100 billion that would lead to earnings per share of 5.59. Of course, Apple did a little bit better. So over the last decade, we can say that Apple got a return better than 10% thanks to the buybacks it has been making. But you never know whether the investment, the 100 billion could have maybe returned 20%, 100%, or who knows, much more. Maybe if they bought Tesla in 2013, it would have been even better. So there is always the discussion, can the management do better than just doing buybacks? And that will always be a big unknown when it comes to investing. 500 billion is a lot of money. They could have changed the world with 500 billion. Instead, Apple in 2013 decided to push the share price up. Apple shareholders, including Warren Buffett, cannot complain for them pushing the share price up because they got richer, richer and richer. And the thing is that we will never know whether in 2013 till now with 500 billion, Apple could have done much, much more. Another issue with focusing on buybacks is really not reinvesting in new businesses and also not really adding to the economies, to new ideas, to new technologies, not investing in research and development that could change the world and make it a better place longer term. Okay, Apple spent 478 billion since 213 but just in the last 12 months, SAP 500 buybacks have surpassed $1 trillion entered the market buying shares in 2021. This is from Yardeni, very good statistics on markets. And $1 trillion spent compared to 21 trillion US GDP, Thus, 5% of GDP is not going into new jobs, into reinvestments, into growth, but it's going just into pushing stock prices higher. That's definitely a long-term con of buybacks. On the other hand, if you own a business with somebody and after 30 years that somebody decides, oh, I'm going to sell my stake in the business, 
You, of course, want to buy them out and then help them in life, but also own more of the business you're already owning and thus liking. Then you're just reinvesting into something you already own, you like, it's a good business, and there is nothing wrong with that. And there is nothing wrong with helping the fellow former shareholder getting some money for his retirement or whatever. Now, another pro of buybacks is avoiding dividend taxes. Let me know in the comments if you prefer paying dividend taxes and then reinvest that money into owning a larger share of the company, more stocks, or it is simply better that the company does buybacks, thus it avoids that personal taxation that we all hate sincerely. So by doing buybacks and if you want to reinvest that money directly into the company, and you repurchase shares or you do a dividend reinvestment plan, from a taxes perspective, it is much better that the company does the buybacks and then cancels the shares for you. You own more of the company and you avoid paying that dividend tax. So that's another pro of buybacks. But despite the pros and cons, buybacks really exploded over the last two decades. And as anything, when it comes to extremes, it's still questionable whether the benefits still outweigh the costs of doing buybacks. Let's look a little bit at stats around buybacks. So again, from Yardeni, if we look at buybacks, current buybacks are now above 1 trillion for the last 12 months. And what I really don't like about buybacks is the management doing them when they have the money but also when stocks are high. When stocks are low and cheap, you can see here just 350 billion trailing spend on buybacks in the first two quarters of 2020. So when stocks were cheap, nobody did buybacks. When stocks are high, let's splash as much money as we can on buybacks. Similarly, 2015 issues, less buybacks. 2009, practically no buybacks. What's that? 150 billion compared to 700 billion when things were all well in 2007. This is insanity, but this is how the market works. Compared to dividends, we can see that dividends are much, much more stable, so much less volatility, and then of course, companies focus first on dividends and then when they have more liquidity, they really like splashing that liquidity on buybacks and pushing stocks higher, but they really like buying stocks back when the stock price is also higher. Historically, we can see here that buybacks were very, very low. The dark black line is buybacks, the gray line is dividends, and we can see that in the 70s buybacks were a few percentage points of the dividend payout, and then after 1982 buybacks really started going up, but still let's say half of the dividend payout, and then from 1995 from the dot-com bubble then it's really when those buybacks exploded and took over dividends, especially when things were really good, then crashed and now really peaked again, 2020 down, and now we are here again. I don't have now the 2022 
chart yet here. What made the difference here, and this is very interesting, 1982 new SAC regulation treated buybacks not as stock price manipulation anymore. In 1982, the Securities Exchange Commission Institute Rule 10b and it was intended to help create a way for a company's board directors to authorize the repurchase of a certain number of the company's shares without it being stock price manipulation. If we look at stock prices in 1982, that was really a bad, bad period for stocks. And then the Securities Exchange Commission said, okay, let's allow companies to manipulate stock prices, push stock prices higher and higher, to help them because the stock market is a terrible place. Nobody wants to invest in stocks. So let's do something. And that regulation did well over time, but now really companies are before 1982 manipulating stock prices since 1982 everything legal and you can really see the explosion since then compared to nothing before that and then again as i said dividends stable 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 but buybacks they like to do it really the higher the stock price is the more money they like to spend on buybacks this is really really incredible so another con of buybacks is that the management doesn't care about prices and that's the core thing when it comes to investing the core thing is price thus con investing is about price first and the long-term liquidity of the business two factors that most of the management doing buybacks doesn't really care and here comes the difficult part the management does buybacks, pushes the stock price higher. Who am I as an investor to complain about the stock price going higher? Nobody will do that. And here we come to one of the key issues with buybacks. Who in the same mind can complain? So stock price of Apple went down 38% from September 12th to April 13th. And then Apple said, mm, let's start splashing the billions we make into buybacks and the rest is history, <laughs> 10 times up. So to see when buybacks are smart or not, let's go to Charlie and Warren and Warren's 2011 letter to shareholders. Charlie and I favor repurchases when two conditions are met. First, a company has ample funds to take care of operational and liquidity needs of its business. So, key one, a company has ample funds to take care of operational and liquidity needs of the business. Remember this one very, very well. And then, second, its stock is selling at a material discount to the company's intrinsic business value, conservatively calculated. These are the two key factors when it comes to doing buybacks that I think just Buffett and a few other think about. Because we have witnessed many bouts of repurchasing that failed the second test. So buying stocks above intrinsic value. Sometimes, of course, infractions, even serious ones are innocent. Many CEOs never stop believing their stock is cheap. And that's actually a CEO's job to promote the stock, to go around the world convinced that the stock is cheap and will always be cheap. 
If a CEO comes out and says, oh, my stock is too expensive, he gets fired tomorrow. Continuing shareholders are hurt unless shares are purchased below intrinsic value. The first law of capital allocation, whether the money is slated for acquisitions or share repurchases, is that what is smart at one price is dumb at another. And then going back to Apple, I'm not going to discuss whether buybacks now are dumb or not, but I'm just going to give you something that we can all agree on. Repurchases or buybacks here at $16 a share are definitely 10 times better than buying back shares at $166 a share. Nobody can argue that. Buying back shares here at 57 must be three times better then buying at 166. That is simple mathematics, but at some point, buying back Apple shares will not be smart anymore. At what point? That depends on intrinsic value, which is again a completely different discussion, but we'll discuss that a little bit later. And then again, discussing price, we see here how the higher the stock price is, management likes to do buybacks more, and when the stock price is low, buybacks are canceled because they don't have the funds to do them. Remember rule one that if the business has ample funds to keep liquidity and there were many, many scandals with buybacks, airlines were doing buybacks hands over fists before COVID and then COVID came and then they take government bailouts because they didn't have the money to survive. So this is very, very interesting, but this is normal buybacks. So stupid buybacks are a recurring theme when it comes to buybacks. So we'll touch on that more during this video. But one thing that is sure is that buybacks, if done above book value, destroy book value over time. Let me explain. So this is Apple's equity. And we can see here 2010s as they started making more and more money, we can see the equity going up from 35 billion to 145 billion. Then in 2013, they started doing buybacks, paying for shares more than the book value of those shares. As they canceled they, their shares, it was stable. But when they really pushed the pedal to the metal with buybacks, the equity went from 140 billion down to the current 71 billion. And we can see here that with high buybacks, the equity was really, really declining. And here is an example of how buybacks usually destroy book value. Example, let's say that we have equity of $100 and just two shares outstanding. Thus, equity per share or book value is 50 bucks. Let's say that the stock price is 100. The company uses 100 to buy the other share, then cancels the share, which is typically for buybacks. New situation, equity zero, shares outstanding one, earnings per share and dividend per share should double as we had two shares outstanding, and now we have one share outstanding. However, book value should go to zero. And this is, again, contradictory to what Warren and Charlie said, a company has ample funds to take care of the operational and liquidity needs of its business. The problem is that, yes, airlines had 
significant liquidity to take care of the business at that moment in time. The management is not paid to think long-term. Wall Street doesn't think long-term. Anything can happen in 10 years. And therefore, Warren Buffett is doing buybacks, yes, but has 150 billion on the balance sheet. And now he even lowered his buybacks over the last quarter because Berkshire price went up. Another company that did a lot of buybacks recently is Starbucks. And you can see that the equity there actually turned negative. So from equity of five, six billion, the negative equity, the book value is now negative because of the buybacks. And now the CEO came and canceled the buybacks. But when it comes to negative equity, that is okay as long as the business stays and it keeps producing cash. Because when you make cash flows, investors and everything are focused on that cash flows. And then they don't really care about the book value, the equity, the margin of safety, as long as you make those cash flows. If Starbucks stops making money, then you have nothing to hold on and then it can get really, really ugly. And then something very important when it comes to buybacks, you have always to think what is the incentive of the management. Management is paid for pushing the stock price higher, buybacks, but also it's paid for improving the return on equity and that also improves with buybacks. If we had earnings of 10 million and equity of 100 million, the return on equity is 10%. But if we destroy the equity by doing buybacks, the return on equity is infinite. And therefore, the management is much happy because they increase the return on equity by using less equity to do business. And you don't need equity to do business as long as you make a lot of money and you have those cash flows. And of course, lenders trust you that you will repay and refinance your debt. So always think about what are the management incentives when it comes to doing buybacks. Which leads us to the next con and that is that management gets 25% of buybacks as they issued new shares to themselves to reward themselves for the great job they have done. That is also an ugly side of buybacks. So if we go back to Yardeni, if we look at the net issuance and gross issuance of stocks, you can see here a difference of 25%, or even better, 800 billion gross issuance of stocks, in this case negative, minus buybacks, but if we look at buybacks, those are 1.1 trillion. So 300 billion went to the management as they issue new shares to reward themselves, sell those shares on the market and have the company buy back those shares, boost the stock price higher and make money. So a big warning and something to really watch out is whether the management is doing buybacks just to reward themselves. Okay, if they push the stock price higher, you can go along for the ride, but you have to be very careful because sooner or later, the ride will stop and revert for the slide. A company notorious for its buybacks is General Electric. So 
in 2007 they bought back shares for 30 on average i think this is after the 10 to 1 split they made to save what they were doing yes the stock price was much higher and then they issued shares around 22 dollars per share just when the crisis started then they had jeff Immelt that retired in 2017 and he destroyed the company just to force buybacks so that he can get more for his retirement. Jeff Immelt who got over 200 million when he left GE left General Electric in 2017 and what he left behind was a mess but he got his 200 million. I made an article also on GE in 2016 criticizing buybacks, I can't find the link, but I also made an article in 2020 criticizing IBM for the buybacks where I said that the CEO's compensation went from 16 million to 158 million in 2018 while the market capitalization went down significantly. And when you see this office, the marble, the everything, you know that the management here isn't focused on doing business but just financial engineering and therefore also you have to be very careful with that. Another negative buyback situation is that Sears spent 5.8 billion buying back shares from 2005 to 2010, arguing that investment in stores is not necessary. And there are many papers also out that show how really long-term consequences are there for short-term management incentives and that is another con of buybacks that you have to accept and really be careful with when it comes to buybacks and your investments really try to see okay is this short-term benefits Take advantage of those if you can, but be careful for the long-term consequences. But now, despite all of the negative things we have said, buybacks actually worked. So if we look at the S&P 500 buyback index and compare to the S&P 500, we can see that the buyback index, the light blue, is usually pretty much better than the dark blue S&P 500 index, especially of course, less companies are doing buybacks in difficult times, but those that are outperform the cash companies outperform the other risky companies. And there you find overperformance of buybacks over time. So again, 2009, really better. Issues 2013, again, much, much better. And then similar, but usually over time, we can see that... S&P 500 buyback companies did even better than the dividend yield portfolio of the S&P 500. So really, really much better return than the 6.1%, 11.5%, the S&P buyback index. So really there is for now statistical evidence that buybacks do work, at least in this period from 2000 to 2019. Of course, stocks went really, really up, pushed by buybacks. So yes, buybacks were. However, now the good times might have passed. And especially the issue is that companies use a lot of leverage 
to do buybacks, which might not be again in line with what Charlie Munger and Warren say that you must have the liquidity and you must have the ability to continue do business no matter what happens. If we go back to Starbucks and the long-term debt, they really issued a lot of debt to do buyback. So 13.5 billion to spend it on stocks and then retreat those stocks. And you can see here really the increase from 2017 to 2020. And now, of course, they are not allowed to do buybacks anymore. Of course, nobody can argue about that as Starbucks stock price was pushed higher but up till the moment and now it's going down down and down so the benefits of buybacks here are not that clear anymore and their big buyback announcement here that has been deleted here so if the stock price continues to go down then all this mambo jumbo with leverage and everything would have been a waste of money but there is so much more in a April 2020, I discussed restoration hardware, links to all the videos I mentioned in the description below, and the company there was issuing convertible debt to buyback shares. And I said, given what they are doing for huge compensation for the management, of course, the stock must go up. And of course, the stock exploded, and they had been doing those already earlier, so really, really, good things for shareholders the stock exploded and went from 90 when i made the video to more than 700 but this is financial engineering and eventually it has to revert it is inevitable because when you go for short-term incentives and you sacrifice the long term by issuing debt or convertible preferred shares that later come into the picture so you push up the stock price now but later add many more shares as those people convert and then they want to dump those shares on the market you just make a lot of smoke for no real value creation and we'll see where this stock will go next for now they did really well on the ups and downs but again financial engineering is a pure con because financial engineering yes pushes the stock price higher and later it leads to issues don't forget buybacks were considered mostly manipulation before 1982. so what are buybacks are those a trap all the holy grail of investing well, I have a pretty simple rule that works for me in this case. Because it is, yes, a mixed bag, but the success of buybacks depends on the price paid and the business stability. If you do buybacks when the stock price is high and the business is, is, not, and the business is not stable, then you have an issue. So, of course, companies like to do buybacks when stock prices are high, and that is definitely value destruction. Because now, the price earnings ratio of the S&P 500 is 22 and it was usually very high in the period that buybacks really explode as we have seen but the price earnings ratio historically has been much lower and around 15. If the S&P 500 again look buybacks high here 
I would not be surprised for buybacks to be lower in this quarter as share prices went down. But okay, if the price earnings ratio of the S&P 500 returns to historical averages of 15 or even goes down to 11, then the S&P 500 would be cut in half and all the buybacks made, all the trillions spent since 2016 would be a waste of money. So buybacks assume eternal stock price stability, business stability and stock prices going up, up and up. And that has been a great period for buybacks as stock prices went mostly up over time. So the key for investing is definitely also timing. When things are good, when the companies start to get money, earnings, improving earnings, doing buybacks, stock prices will go up. But be careful with the long-term value creation and therefore time your exposure to stocks. Always think how much it does increase the reward over what period of time and the long-term risk of owning that business. And my simple rule is if I like the business at the current price, for whatever it is without considering buybacks and the company does buybacks great i'm owning more of something that i already like no matter what and of course that the company is not risking its existence over the long term over the long term cycles then buybacks for me are simply great so of course if buybacks are made below what is my estimation of intrinsic value then I'm happy. And that's something you can do too. As Warren Buffett said, we need to know that buybacks are done below intrinsic value. If we go to my intrinsic value calculation formula that you can download for free in the link in the description below with many stock analysis and estimations of intrinsic value. And let's go to Apple, that was our example. So Apple cash flow per share in this case $6 based on last earnings also the link to Apple video in the description below the last analysis for 2022 and now what is the intrinsic value of course if Apple in the best case scenario for me grows at 10% then 8% for the next 5 and 10 years discount rate if I expect a 10% and the P ratio remains at 30 so then yes for a 10% return, the intrinsic value is still above the current value, thus buybacks. And this is likely what also Warren expects. Buybacks are still good. However, if the growth rate of cash flows per share is much lower and the terminal multiple halves, then of course, by doing buybacks now, Apple is destroying value. So it is about knowing the business. And of course, the free cash flow yield is now 3.46%. And also questioning whether Apple can't find something better than 3.46% return on investment. And that is always the questions with buybacks. At a certain price, it's dumb. At a certain price, it's genius, no matter what the company is. So pause here, read again, go back to the things you want to learn more. The timestamps are also here below the video and in the description below. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, please let me know. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review as it means a lot to me. 
Thank you, and I'll be speaking to you in the next episode.